Father, indeed the song we raise, the, the works of our hands are in service of the King. When a thousand tongues cry, glory to God, forever his praise will sing. Yes, forever your praises we should sing. Please help us today and in the coming days to sing your praises and therefore work for your purposes as your son is now our king. Please also help us through the words of this sermon to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, uh, we're looking at the same passage today as we did last week, but in saying that, please don't turn off. <laughs> uh, last week we looked at the flow of what was being said here and how encouraging and affirming Paul is to this very young church. No doubt, hopefully, <laughs> similar to us. After all, he spent only three weeks at this particular church. Yes, three weeks. <laughs> this is our third Sunday together. <laughs> very similar. As I said last week, maybe we should have a cake today, again. <laughs> Anyway, today, rather than look at the flow, I want to stop on some of the rocks in this river and consider them as they are things we might have forgotten in our journey down uh, the narrow path of this river. And when I say forgotten, perhaps you haven't, uh, but I think God's church generally has. Yes, I think so. Now, the first of three things we might have forgotten is this, and it's found in verses 1 and 3. I might reread the first three verses and we'll see if we can recognise what we might have forgotten. Uh, hence the title of today's sermon, What We Might Have Forgotten. We're on page 1793, if you're using one of the Bibles we've provided. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 to 3 is what we are reading. In these verses we are told, Paul, Silas and Timothy... To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you pick up what... I think we've forgotten. Uh, perhaps you didn't as you've forgotten it. <laughs> it is this, and you can fill it in uh, if you take sermon notes. Uh, the forgotten father. Yes, the forgotten father. Perhaps that is one of the rocks we've forgotten today. Jesus' church. Yes, it is. Here's now. Uh, Matthew 16, 18. Uh, is also in God the Father, verse 1. And we are to thankfully, as Paul was here, to remember what other believers are like before our God and Father, verse 3. Now, if I say too much on this, you're probably going to think that I'm verging on preaching on heresy, <laughs> but I'm not. Please listen carefully. I found that generally speaking, at some churches today, focus too much on Jesus. I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> yes, 
Some churches, generally speaking, focus all the time on Jesus. They only have mission statements that are just about him and certainly don't include the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, perhaps, Alan, uh, uh, you're from St James Croydon. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> we can have a chat over morning to you about this one. <laughs> yes, we have here a serious mention of the Father, who we did in the first song too. Yes, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about the Father. So did Jesus. For example, do you remember the first line of the prayer that he taught his people? Our Father in heaven. Yes, he says that is how we are to pray. He also says that he only does what he only does what his Father does. John five nineteen. Very interesting. The Son only does what the Father does. And the Holy Spirit in all believers is also meant to acknowledge the Father. He, the Holy Spirit, causes believers to say, actually cry out, Abba, Father, Romans 8, 15. Yes, not only does the Son, but also the Spirit, point us to the Father. Hmm. Perhaps I will write that book after all. <laughs> I've always wanted to write a book titled The Forgotten Father. Uh, Ruth, you can tell me how to write a book. <laughs> You've written one. I think you have anyway. Uh, the second point is this, and perhaps we've forgotten it. Uh, I went to Bible college with Ruth, and she's here today, Ellen's wife. <laughs> the second point is this, and perhaps we've forgotten it. Yes, it should be a, a natural outpouring of the Spirit's work in a believer. But we must not de deny the uh, desire of the flesh. We all have the flesh. Uh, we also must not deny the attractiveness of the world. Yes, it can be quite attractive. And we certainly must not deny the temptations of the evil one. He is real. Uh, to get in the way of the Spirit's natural work in a believer. The second point is also something that we might have forgotten. And it's found also in verse 3. Maybe previously you picked it up. Paul writes, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There are three things mentioned here that we might have forgotten. I call it <laughs> the holy trifecta. <laughs> And that is the heading for the second of three points, the, the second rock, you could say, the forgotten holy trifecta. Basically, there are three things here, hence holy trifecta, that Paul remembers before our God and Father. And they are these believers' faith, these believers' love, and these believers' hope. Yes, faith, love, and hope. The Greek language that the New Testament is originally written in is even clearer than most of our English versions today. It basically says work of faith, labour, <laughs> labour of love and endurance of hope. Yes, it all comes from knowing Jesus. He is our Lord after all and he is the Christ. He is central here. 
But if we know Jesus, we need to show such, and how? By one's work of faith, by one's labour of love, by one's endurance of hope. That is, a true faith. A true faith works. That is, a true love. A true love labours. That is, a true hope. A true hope hangs in there. And so for all of us today, are we, (laughs) and I ask myself this, are we, am I, a holy trifecta Christian? It's a very good question to ask ourselves. Are we holy trifecta Christians? That is, is our faith in Jesus seen by our good works? Yes, faith without works is dead, James 2.17. There must be consequences and evidence of a saving faith. And so as some have said, not me, but as some have said, is there enough evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to convict you of being a Christian? Yes, is our faith in Jesus seen by our good works, not just our words? And Paul said this certainly was true in this very young church. Also, uh, is our love of God and our love for others seen in how we at times need to labour in our relationships, even though they are far from perfect? Far from perfect. I guess yours are, Ellen and Ruth, uh, you're up here on your wedding anniversary, 30 years I hear. Far from perfect? (laughs) talk to them over morning tea (laughs) after all we're we're still in a fallen broken world it's very interesting that the word that commends this church church's love is the word labour yes love can be is described here as labour hmm interesting That sounds like love can be hard work at times. Finally, in this holy trifecta, there should be hope. That is a hope in Jesus returning to sort out the mess of this fallen world. And this hope in Jesus is seen by others as we, God's people, hang in there through thick and thin and therefore live for him at, at all times, whether good or bad, whether in sickness or in health, and irrespective of the consequences that might come our way. I've had a few come my way lately. (laughs) So, as you live for him at all times, there might be consequences. I should say there will be consequences. Sometimes they are good in an earthly sense, sometimes they are bad in an earthly sense. Sometimes there might be indifference. Have you seen that? An indifference from friends, from work colleagues, from study friends, from perhaps neighbours, even family members. Sometimes there might even be rejection. Have you seen that? And in some places, dare I say, persecution. But a follower of Jesus hangs in there. The hope that a follower of Jesus has endures through all of this. Yes, the work of faith, 
the labour of love, the endurance of hope. That describes what a Christian should be like. That also describes our master Jesus, doesn't it? He worked, he laboured, he endured. Praise God that he did. <laughs> I suppose all uh, the question for all of us is this. What is our Lord perhaps pushing us on at the moment? And he does push. <laughs> he knows what we're like. Is he pushing you to do something? Is he pushing you to keep doing something? Is he pushing you to simply endure? That is not give up hope, to hang in there despite what's going on in your life at the moment. Yes, come Lord Jesus, come. He's certainly a, a game changer and he is coming, you betcha, he, he's coming. And when he comes, he will gather his people together. So hang in there, my friends, hang in there. And talking about his second coming, it is, as I said last week, at the end of every chapter of this book to a young church. And this world in which we live is not only very difficult at times, man, it can be so hard <laughs> at times, but it can also be so attractive. <laughs> and so attractive that generally speaking, we might even forget that he is coming back. But he is. And this time when he returns, he will not be returning to offer salvation, but to gather he has to gather those who have received his offer of salvation and to judge those who have not. Uh, in the third and final point, uh, the third rock, as I call it, that we have in this river, what is it that we might have forgotten? Well, it's found in verse 10 and it concerns the coming of Jesus. It concerns something that some in the church today sadly reject or sadly distort but it is very very clear and what is it it is the forgotten punishment to come now I guess that we don't like to talk about this one do we like who he likes to finish every paragraph of their letter every chapter of their book <laughs> talking about God's wrath I know I don't. <laughs> I wouldn't. But if you were writing a letter to a young church, would you mention it? Yes, would you mention the punishment to come? That is, would you mention the second coming of Jesus? And more than that, to encourage this young church, Paul not only mentions the second coming of Jesus, but he also mentions the wrath. God's wrath that is coming and that all who have placed their fair dinkum faith in Jesus that is have received his offer of salvation will now escape it uh, in verse 10 we are told that all who now follow Jesus wait for his son from heaven we've sung about that wait for his son from heaven whom God raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. Have we forgotten this bit? Now, Paul makes sure this young church never does. That, no doubt, uh, 
is part of the reason as to why he mentions it in every single chapter of his letter to them. He mentions the day of wrath that is coming. He mentions the punishment that will be handed down on those who reject his son. Friends, I I don't know about you, but I find this extremely humbling. It stirs up in myself a, a healthy fear, a healthy trembling. It makes me realise how holy God must be. No wonder he is described as holy, 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 Isaiah 6.3. Now there's another trifecta. <laughs> now I've said this before but I need to say it again as reminding ourselves of it keeps us in the right thankful relationship with our God as he is so so good to us it reminds us of what we are naturally like but more importantly it reminds us of what our God our God is like our probably the most famous verse in the Bible is John three sixteen, and it says this for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life I'm guessing you know it. But John 3.36 needs to be known too. But I feel generally speaking it has been forgotten. Who here can tell me John 3.36? And no cheating please. (laughs) At one level it more or less reflects John 3.16. Anyone know John 3.36? I bet you know John 3.16. John 3.36... No one? Okay. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Hallelujah to that. <laughs> but whoever rejects the Son, and they're awful words, aren't they, will not see life. And why? For God's wrath, there's that word again, I don't like it, <laughs> for God's wrath remains on them well why would one keep rejecting jesus well yes god is loving and that is why he sent his son but yes as i was talking to someone earlier god is also perfect perfect and that is why anyone who rejects a son still has god's wrath on them They might not know it now, but one will certainly experience it then when Jesus returns for a second, final time to pull the curtain across. And this theme, as I said, is mentioned in every chapter of the letter to this young church. And I don't think to simply scare them. but to cause them to be so, so thankful to such a God that he would do this for them and to cause them now to keep living for him, to keep shining the work of faith, the labour of love, the endurance of hope. Yes, our God is also a good, good Father who has rescued us from what we deserve. 
how about we stand and sing about this good, good Father?